This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Homelessness is surging across America. Why are there so many homeless people? One reason may be those needing treatment for serious mental illness aren't getting it. And that's what we're seeing cities start to really come to grips with. They just simply haven't kept their laws up with where the research is. The medical research says we need to do more, and many states just haven't moved to that yet. Then, an education expert shares the latest research into the human brain and learning receptivity. The very best times for our brains are when we're finding something really difficult. That's when our brains are really active with brain growth. So we actually want to find things difficult. That's a good thing. Those two stories and more are straight ahead on this week's show. Stay with us. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. All across our country, homelessness is growing. One expert says many of the chronically homeless need mental health treatment, care that isn't available to them. With more, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Just over half a million people are homeless in this country, and the homeless in New York City and the Los Angeles area account for one-fourth of the total. Those are the latest statistics from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. But reports say the problem is getting worse. And joining us now is John Snook, Executive Director of the Treatment Advocacy Center, which advises states on mental health and homelessness policy around the country. John, is it correct to say, or is it a myth, that a majority of homeless people are either mentally ill or substance abusers or both? It really depends on how you define homelessness. What we know is that for individuals who are chronically homeless, who fit the definition of sort of what people think of when they think of someone who's homeless, a significant portion of those individuals have a serious mental illness and usually a co-occurring substance use disorder. But the broader definitions of homelessness often include individuals, families, folks who are experiencing sort of a situational moment where they come in and out of a period of homelessness. So it's really sort of a distinction based on how you define the term. And there is a school of thought in some states that homelessness is really due to a lack of affordable housing. Does the data support that? It does. I think the conversation needs to be as broad as possible because homelessness is a complicated issue. I think if it was simple to solve, we would have solved it. Affordable housing is a huge component, especially in major cities. I think the issues around zoning, around just not focusing on affordable housing in the way we need to, have really contributed to the issues. But our organization focuses on the other side of that conversation, the folks who are being left behind simply because they aren't getting the medical treatment that they need, and they're ending up on the streets, the sort of folks you see that when you walk down the street, you say, how in the world isn't that person getting help? They're obviously in need. So let's start with the mentally ill who are homeless that you just referred to, some of whom maybe don't even want help. Do you believe that it's best to create or strengthen laws forcing this group to be housed? What we know from the research is that there is a portion of individuals who, especially because America has done such a poor job in providing care, end up in a situation in which they simply aren't able to understand that they need care. It's because the illness impacts their brain. 
And so for those individuals who believe that the CIA is after them, it isn't a matter of being convinced that they need care. It's that their brain has been damaged and they need medical treatment in order to get back to a, a place where they can then make voluntary decisions. That's not at all everyone who's on the street. But I think what we often see is that there's a significant portion that just gets left behind because they've gotten too sick to volunteer for care. And for those individuals, we need to do more than we're doing today. So should those individuals be forced by law to receive medical treatment and even take medicine if it's prescribed? What we've seen in cities like New York City is that there is a very small portion of individuals, it's around four or five thousand a year altogether who probably need this level of care. But when they are provided court-ordered treatment in the community, they do significantly better. There are huge reductions in what we call the consequences of non-treatment. Things like homelessness, incarceration, incidents of violence, incidents of being victimized. Sort of the worst possible outcomes that come from being someone who's really sick and trapped on the streets. And that's what we're seeing cities start to really come to grips with is they just simply haven't kept their laws up with where the research is. The medical research says we need to do more and many states just haven't moved to that yet. We're visiting with John Snook, who heads the Treatment Advocacy Center, which advises states on mental health and homelessness policy around the country. And picking up on states, you have said that Arizona does a lot of things right, and you called out coordination with law enforcement. How is that an important piece of the puzzle? What we know, uh, we recently did a report that surveyed law enforcement all over the country, is now law enforcement spends about a fifth of their time every year addressing mental health calls. And oftentimes, individuals with serious mental illness get their first treatment after contact with law enforcement. So we're in a world where our law enforcement officers have become de facto mental health professionals. That's just the reality of the situation. And I think we need to recognize that and try to address the situation given that reality. Arizona does a really nice job of this. One of the things that they do is they ensure that their treatment facilities make it as easy as possible for law enforcement to bring someone to get medical care rather than taking them to the jail. So what that means is they make it quicker for someone to be dropped off to get mental health treatment than it is for them to be booked in the local jail. They provide them snacks that the officers don't get when they go to the jail. There's a bathroom that's reserved for law enforcement. They do the little things, but what that means is that an officer says, you know, I want to get this person treatment and I have a way to do it. And that just doesn't happen in most cities. And you've also pointed to Arizona's oversight. So oversight of what and how does their oversight work and make a difference? One of the big concerns is that we've accidentally broken the incentives for providing people care. If you're a treatment provider, you get no more money for helping someone with a serious mental illness, someone who might be scary at the end of the day. You don't get any more money for providing that person care. And that just doesn't reflect the reality of how important it is to provide that person treatment. What Arizona does is it combines the budgets of law enforcement, of the mental health professionals, of emergency rooms, to really focus on those individuals who really need 
intensive levels of care. Because in a city that doesn't do that, what you often see is that person who is difficult to treat, who may cost more money to be provided care, ends up getting arrested because they just aren't in the mental health system and so they go to the systems that can't say no, which are typically either emergency rooms or too often jails. And you mentioned jail. Briefly speaking to combat homelessness, what policies or procedures do you recommend for those cities who are pretty much putting their homeless folks in jail? The overarching message is that that is a fool's errand. You cannot solve homelessness by arresting your way out of it. And at the end of the day, those sort of rules simply break the system. What you're looking at when you see a significant homeless crisis, especially of homeless people with serious mental illness and substance use disorders, is a breakdown of the treatment system. And so rather than increasing law enforcement budgets, what we argue is that that is an opportunity to engage mental health. And interestingly, we get a lot of support from law enforcement to make that case. Oftentimes, officers will tell us, I don't want any more money to deal with these problems. That's not my day-to-day. You need to get experts in here who know how to fix this. And that, I think, is a real change in the conversation that's happened because the crisis has gotten so bad in so many communities. John Snook, head of the Treatment Advocacy Center, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss homelessness. Of course, thank you. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, recent research on learning and the human brain. That story, straight ahead. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned. <laughs> 